0: Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery.
1: We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like.
2: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.
0: Okay, you are listening to We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined via Scoop by your co... by via Scoop? Via Skype. Skype.
3: Scoop. I like Scoop better.
0: Uh, by your Scoop co-host.
1: Is, Scoop is where you learn something brand new about somebody over oh, the internet.
0: That's right. Dr. Terry Sellers. <laughs> In the recovery lounge, we got... John Denovan, the producer, and your featured guest, Ian Rader. Hey you made
2: it three seconds before messing up, so I, I think we're on a roll. It's pretty good. Hey, it's out
0: of the way, though. I mean right? last time yeah. we
2: were about the seven to ten mark, but you're down to three. So pretty soon we'll be like we'll just start off with a hiccup. It makes it start uh, off screw Let's up. just get
0: it, let's get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this, this podcast was recorded in Sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 06 is brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, where addiction ends and healing begins. And listen, if your loved one needs help, give them a call at 801-800-8142. Dr. Sellers, what's new and good? But what's new and good, buddy?
1: Well, I'll tell you, nothing's new and good with me. Everything's bad and
0: old. <laughs> uh, That's a bright way to start off the podcast.
1: Uh, actually, I'm doing quite well. Things are great. I'm having. I'm in the midst of having a whole ton of dental work done, which is going to cost me between thirty and forty thousand nice. dollars. You can probably see I'm missing a couple of teeth on the bottom because they pulled them already. But all is good. It's all going to get fixed. Everything's great. Um, anything happening in my life? No, I'm in my 39th year of marriage now. You guys Ozzel all know top.
0: that. There you go. That's
1: probably you it for me today.
0: You made it through the anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Still married. Love it.
0: <laughs> Sean Donovan. what's new and good with you? Uh, just prepping for the first week of school tomorrow or next
2: week or whenever it is. Monday, right? Yeah, Monday. Yeah. So school starts Monday. So I'm getting everything ready for that. So it's been a whole lot of cleaning around the studios and Getting everything ready for the kids to come back. Yeah, it, it, that's it. There's no excitement. <laughs> that's it, man. Me and a bottle Stellar. of 409.
0: Boom. <laughs> Stellar. Hey, well, at least you're you're getting the place cleaned up. Ian Raider, What's
3: up? Let's get you in the mix, buddy. What's new and good? You know, not much. Um, I'm getting married. What? I know. What? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, hey, no, hey, I, hey, we hey, were supposed hey, do it. to. Thank you. See, thank you. We, yeah. we were supposed to get married in, in November, but with everything going on, we're, we're going to push the wedding out a year. But yeah, get married. That's cool. That's, That's super crazy. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Super
0: exciting. If my girlfriend Mandy is listening to this, uh, I just got myself in trouble. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> Sellers <laughs> last week, he got brownie points with his significant other.
3: I just went in the negative, buddy. Yeah. No, it's it's just I'm just surprised that someone actually wants to marry me, especially with the, w- what I used to be like. Get so. out of here! Oh man, just it, that's that's how you know recovery is possible. Right? That someone can go from who I was to where, and, and she's not in recovery. She's a quote unquote, you know, normie. Yeah. And the fact that she thinks I'm normal enough to like, oh yeah, let's get married. I'm like, you're crazy. I know a guy that's been married
0: for like 38 years. Give him some advice, Doctor Sellers. Please, let's get, let's
3: get please. some advice.
1: Uh, you want some
0: advice? Sure.
1: Advice on how to stay married? Because I've got some.
3: No, I so, want to figure. How do we get divorced? How, how do we not <laughs> have a marriage last?
1: Okay. Here's here's how you don't get divorced oh. is. <laughs> divorce is not an option right so if if you take it off the table then any problems you have in your marriage you have to fix yeah before and for me frankly you have to fix them before you go to bed yeah um but if the divorce is not one of the options at all then you'll fix the problems
3: i like that that's
1: it just it's not it was never really an option for me
0: words of wisdom from dr terry sellers So Ian Rader, Mm. thank you so much for coming down. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. appreciate you being willing to come on and and share your story of recovery. So let's get to it. Tell us what what your recovery looks like today. You shared a little bit about you're getting married. It's crazy that's possible in recovery. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's get some other deets.
3: So yeah, what my recovery looks like today is, you know, I, I love talking about my successes in recovery to show other people that it's possible today. I'm a business owner. I'm a homeowner. I'm in a successful relationship, which is pretty awesome. And the only thing I can, you know, give props to that is because the way I live my life, you know, being of service to other people, I'm actually an accredited interventionist and addiction specialist today. And that's kind of my day-to-day recovery.
0: You do that through your through the comp- one of the companies, right? Yeah, so, so I own it. Yeah, tell
3: us about that. Yeah, I own a company called Sobriety Wellness Services. Uh, me and a buddy started it together. And, and that's um, that's what's allowed me to grow my intervention, my addiction specialist, and, and yeah. Nice. Yeah. So give us a glimpse of what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. Oh, it really depends. A lot of it is what's known as uh, safe transport or okay. safe passage, which is... You know, if someone is going to detox, hospitalization, rehab, um, usually most of the time it involves a long car ride or an airplane ride. Um, One of the biggest fears when being escorted to treatment facility, hospitalization, things like that, is the person not making it there alive. Either they drink themselves to death or they just never make it off on or off the plane or something happens. So we actually help with safe transport, making sure that they get to the destination safely. Um, and one of the main reasons I actually got inter, into intervention in the first place, one of the things that made me so passionate about it was, I was a nightmare to my family. You know, my mom, my dad. Safe to say we all were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and I was such a nightmare and I've realized, you know, there, you know, there are a lot of different types of resources for the person in recovery. There's not a lot of resources for the people who are, you know, dealing with that person in recovery. And I love being able to answer questions to the family, helping dispel any rumors and helping them set boundaries. So, because addiction is a family disease and helping them, you know, move forward amicably in everyone's recovery, not just the person suffering from a form of addiction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I love it. And also, If I'm listening to this and I am contemplating some services like this for a family member, a lot of it has to do with, do you guys have nurses and maybe Dr. Sellers can speak to this because a big part of it is a safe transport. Yeah. Do you have experience in that Dr. Sellers?
1: A little bit. I mean, you know, I used to run a private detox company. We uh, don't do that much anymore, but um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the whole service is, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost always your people that are coming into re- rehab or detox show up high or drunk or, and, uh, but, but it's their last hurrah. So I've actually seen a person who was coming into detox not quite make it to the detox. And I'm not talking about because he was too high. I'm talking about because he wasn't breathing anymore. Ooh. And so, yeah, that's super important stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys travel with a nurse a full-time nurse how how does that what does
3: that look like it really depends on the individual so if the individual especially if you're dealing with alcohol or benzo related transports your first trip is to the hospital good good for the listeners to know yeah because uh you know uh, everyone always focuses on oh once you hear the word heroin or methamphetamines or crazy crack cocaine you think oh man like that's good those detoxes are horrible Mm -hmm. But they're not actually likely to kill you in the process, whereas alcohol, which is legal and people drink it every day, is actually one of the few drugs that can kill you from the withdrawals. That's scary. It is. And so that's why when it comes and also benzos, same deal. So depending on their level of alcohol and benzo intake, how long they've been abusing that, your first trip is most likely to the hospital. To get medically cleared to make sure that they don't go into seizures and, and other things like that
0: and some, it, correct me if i'm wrong by saying this but some facilities won't accept people that are on those type of uh substance use if they don't if they're not medically cleared correct dr mm-hmm. sellers
1: yeah i would say most
3: yeah not and just, if um, they, oh, sorry i was just gonna say if they do accept uh someone then they're, they're not doing their job mm, valid point but- um,
0: so tell us about tell us the name of your company again, and if the listeners are listening to this, how can they get a hold of you guys if they have a loved one that needs to, to
3: get some help? No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so, again, it's a Sobriety Wellness Services. You can go to sobrietywellnessservices.com, or you can even uh, call me directly, and I'll just throw it out there. Uh, my number is 805-319-5498. Give you an oh, call. Let's
1: I mean, just bomb you with calls now. You're getting all kinds of calls I, now. But you dude. know
3: what? And that's the amazing, also, the, the also amazing thing about recovery is I don't scream my calls anymore today. I'm not scared yeah. of who's going to call me from my past or a yeah. debt collector or anything like that. You know, if someone wants to get a hold of me because of my experience, because of the person who I am today and how I lead my life, I want them to call me. You know, I, I, even if it's just a talk about, hey, man, like, I, I, I've i been in recovery, or I, I don't know what's going on. Like, that's what I'm here for. That is what God put me on this earth to do with my past experiences.
0: Brother, that's why you're on this podcast. <coughs> if oh, you're man. listening to this, we do recover. We I do mean, recover. You, you're coming up on five?
3: Uh, next week, I will have five years sober, yeah.
0: You get to a point where yeah. you make it to the other side, and instead of being ashamed of it, and instead of being afraid of it, you're proud of it, right? And it oh, becomes yeah. part of your identity, and something that you were almost... I wouldn't say this is a badge of honor, but you're definitely, Dr. Seller, speak on that. I mean, you, I know I, well, I, I, I view that because of things that you've taught me. So go ahead.
1: Sure. Well, first I want to go back to something that Ian said, and it's super critical. You've really nailed one of the pieces of recovery that's so great for uh, everybody that gets there. And that is the peace of mind that comes when, uh, for example, the police are in your rear view mirror. Like, I don't worry about that anymore. Right. I'm going to get it. I'm probably going to get a speeding ticket or something like that. But um, and the incoming phone calls, you know, it's not going to be the division of professional licensing trying to take my license away from me. So uh, I think that's awesome. As speaking to the subject you mentioned, Jared, that is so I've been clean for uh, 18 years now. Heck yeah. And it's just I don't have anybody in my life that doesn't know. You know what I used to do everybody knows I'm a drug addict but that's because I'm not ashamed of it anymore if people want to judge me over stuff I did 18 years ago well I don't need those people you know if they want to judge me with what I'm doing today it's a different sort of thing that I've got going today
0: Yep. if you're listening to this and you're early in recovery hold on hold on keep doing the next right thing one day at a time you get to a point where you know things start getting better oh yeah So back to your journey of recovery, business owner, getting married, right? Doing a lot of service work.
3: What else you got going on in your life, dude? So I, everything, and it's just crazy because, you know, every time a a milestone comes up, every time like a sobriety birthday comes up, I, I get so emotional thinking about what life used to look like to what life looks like today. You know and, and so when someone asked me that question it's like what does my life look like in recovery and i'm like i don't even really know where to begin <laughs> just because like i have real friends today you know that was a big thing for me just i, I have real friends today I, I have relationships with my family today and, and especially with you know being an addiction specialist you, you learn a lot about key relationships and how really important they are because people there's social creatures, you know, we need healthy relationships like that. And yeah. that's the biggest journey in, in my recovery today is just building successful relationships, either with me or helping other people build those successful relationships. Yeah. That's a beautiful awesome. thing.
1: Hey, talk me through, um, let's, let's say I've got a family member that's struggling and I want to, uh, figure out how to get them someplace or what, so I call your phone number mm-hmm. again. Re- repeat that really quickly for me.
3: Yeah, it's 805-319-5498.
1: Okay. So I call your number. Now walk me through the process of what we do next. Like, so, what are you What are you going to, yeah. So you know what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. So most of the time what happens is the family member calls me just extremely frustrated. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what to do. So my first job is to calm that person down. and my And then my second job is to ascertain what's going on and what kind of services that this individual is going to benefit most from. Maybe they don't even want help. You know, they're like, they don't even know that this person's reached out to me for help. So that usually means we need to set up an intervention and what an intervention looks like me or my partner will, uh, will come to you. And it's a two day process. First day, it was actually the longest part is where we gather as much information as possible about the person, what they like, what they don't like, you know, what what kind of job do they have? Just everything we can because that's gonna help me choose what treatment center they go to. That's best gonna fit their needs, their profile, um, things like that. You're trying to send them up for
0: success. Yeah,
3: Yeah. if they love the outdoors and wilderness, I don't wanna send them to New York in the (laughs) middle, like downtown New York, you know? Uh, or it also depends on their demographics, like maybe they're from a big city and they feel more comfortable in an area. So that's why you got to learn as much as you can. But the major part is I also sit down with all of the family members involved and I help them set boundaries. You know, I help them set boundaries of what life's going to look like. if This person says, no, I don't want to go to treatment. You guys are crazy what life looks like after they go to treatment during treatment. And I just walk them through the process and, and I make sure I give them my phone number so they can call me with any questions they have. I don't care if it's been years since the initial intervention. And then the next day, you know, everyone has their approaches to intervention. My job is to make it as quick as possible. you know, I'm not here to, I, I don't know about anyone else, but I was an emotional hostage taker. When, when I was at running and gunning. Yeah. So, you know, I, I in a nice way, I explained to the person, we don't negotiate with with, hostage, with emotional terrorism. <laughs> we don't negotiate with terrorists. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, this is A, this is B. You know, A's, you come with me we go right now and, and we'll answer any questions you have. B, if you don't wanna go, that's fine. You know, no one's forcing you to go. Your family has something they would like to tell you, and then we go into the boundary setting, and and so. But moving forward, let's say they do go, and then my job is to ascertain what medications they're taking, legal substances, make sure they're medically clear to travel, things like that, and then from there we can either do a uh, you know a normal medical detox setting if they need it, or we can do a private detox setting. Maybe they have. They don't want their coworkers to find out about it. Maybe they're, you know, well-known and they don't want people knowing that they're going to a detox. So we will get either an Airbnb, a hotel, something like that, and privately detox them away from public eye. And then maybe they go to treatment or we do something that's known as sober companionship, which is, again, maybe they don't want to go to treatment because they don't want people knowing they're in treatment. And we will do sober companionship where, you know, I've been with people where i just act as pretend to act as their assistant i'll go to work with them i'll live with them all these things and people ask me, like who's this guy i'm like oh he's just my assistant it's fine and i go yeah you know i'm his new assistant he just blah, blah blah and but while we're doing that i help him form healthy you know recovery goals in his daily routines while we're doing that and I'll i'll live with people as long as necessary to make sure that we set them up for success so sober companionship is really the next stage it's phase two Uh, depending on because some people won't work well with that kind of compatibility it really depends on the individual you know i I went through a rehab setting and, and i thrived there but some people you know i've seen people go through 38 rehab settings in a year yeah Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Right? (laughs) One year, and and just some people don't jive well with that kind of setting. So it's a matter of, you know, what is going to promote the success for each individual person?
0: Yeah, so you you basically research and develop a customized plan based on them, based on what their likes are, what their needs Mm -hmm. are, and then execute on
3: that plan. Everything down from nutrition to exercise, everything.
0: That's amazing yeah yeah who's the brainchild of that
3: oh man so for our company it was definitely my my partner he's been doing this forever and then go you ahead know, and give me a shout out he doesn't have social media at all so he'll oh, okay. never see this but tyler richards i love you man you're my dude and, and uh, i'll see you tonight for dinner actually so there you go uh but this uh, sober companionship and stuff like this was actually really big in the 80s okay but it was more geared towards famous people and and actors and and, you know like i said it was geared towards the people who didn't want to know that they were going to treatment and they were high profile right they want that private setting yeah
0: Yeah. in the 80s uh dr sellers you were like 60 at that time
3: yeah
1: 54. oh
0: sorry (laughs)
1: sorry buddy yeah Yeah, you, thanks.
0: You have. I'm. Come on, say. it's part of the program. You know, I got to crack at it. <laughs> you give I me get a bad it. time for being a Utes, a youth fan. So I get it. You Are the of, Utes playing
1: football this year? We can't oh, no, talk about that. Never mind.
0: Are you trying to get they're me to cry go. on on the podcast?
1: They're going to go undefeated though because they're not playing anybody.
0: Doctor Sellers is officially trying to get me to cry on the
3: podcast. Hey, Doctor Sellers, I think you're about... breaking up. I, I think we lost visual and audio. <laughs> I don't. That's right. It's... <laughs>
0: We're not talking about the Utes not having a season 20, 2020, Oh man, it's it's all bad.
1: I don't feel like I brought the subject up, so I think this is on you.
0: Man, you brought up earlier, uh, Doctor Sellers' lights in the rearview mirror. So, yeah. so Ian Rader comes to town, and and oh. you know we're boys. We got a story. So yes, we got a story happened last night, and we go we go out to dinner, right? We're on our way to Texas Roadhouse and uh, we get lit up. Mm. Apparently, you're not, I'm not going to give numbers out there, but I was going a little fast. <laughs> little fast.
1: Was it three <laughs> digits?
0: No. It'd be no. Cool if okay. he was,
3: though.
0: <laughs> no, listen, I'm not that cool. Right. So, so yeah. And after that whole experience, we were laughing because we were like, man, it's crazy how in the, like today, it's just the, The normal, right? License registration, proof of insurance. But back in the day, your heart sank. You had to come up with these stories and these excuses. And I mean, it's,
3: it's crazy. We're all blessed. We don't have to live that life anymore. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, It it blows my mind today because before, you know, when stuff like that would happen, I wouldn't even look in a cop's direction you know uh, if i saw anything that remotely resembled law enforcement even if it was a tsa agent I, <laughs> you know a parking enforcement agent like i was like Mm-mm. and today like i'm really grateful that i don't have to live in fear today a- amen right yeah like yep. oh man we got pulled over and, and we were joking with the cop we, we were laughing he was a good dude Shout Shout out a really to good dude law enforcement they get a bad rap but Hey, those guys are solid. You know, it, there's always bad people wherever you go. There's always good people wherever you go. And, and I, it's just one of those things where, you know, good or bad, it, it doesn't matter. We're all people at the end of the day. It, I can't focus on what other people choose to do because all I can do is set the example for, you know, what it means to be, a you know, good, I guess. Even though I'm not perfect or anything, but you know what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you're trying to say. Yep. You shared something with me over dinner that I thought was
3: incredible. That was private.
0: Oh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't, you know, get into the the details on it, but you talked about, we were talking about rebuilding relationships with family members and we both shared some things privately. And one thing that I loved was you talked about consistency about how you, you set a goal to consistently call different family members on, was it a weekly basis, a monthly basis, yeah, yeah. talk to us a little bit about that and how you kind of was able to over... So if I'm listening to this and I'm in early recovery, I mean, what's the best way to make those reconnections?
3: So I'll talk about my mom. Yeah. Uh, my mom is one of my biggest heroes and you know, I, uh, I stole something very valuable from her. I stole her son. Ooh, you know, I, I stole her ability to be a mom. You know, and and I got sober just after, it's funny, I have two birthdays in August. You know, August 3rd is my birthday, and August 28th is my sobriety date. You know, I was 25 years old when I first got sober. And for a very long time, my mom didn't have a son. Yeah. And so i made it a point to and i'm not perfect and and i forget sometimes but i even have an alarm on my phone that once every sunday i call my mom you know and i let her just be a mom You know let her talk about mom stuff are you eating right are you taking care are you going to the gym (laughs) like how's your cholesterol have you got your blood work done like and and she's been in the medical field forever so she all every time we talk it's like you know when you go to the doctor make sure you ask him for the the lipids test and the why i don't even know but she's asking all these things and and i just let her be a mom you know before that would frustrate me just because like i'm a grown man i don't need to blah but it's like but you know it's my mom And I robbed her son for a long time. So part of the ways, you know, I make amends to that is I just let her be a mom.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I love the consistency aspect of that because I think a lot of times we, we think, well, you know, I'll try every once in a while. But sometimes it takes that consistent knock at the door to really Mm -hmm. extend that olive branch and to rebuild those relationships. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
3: No. uh, One last thing. It's just the, oh, we.
0: You're good. You've been listening to part <laughs> one of We Do Recover, episode 006. We'll be back soon. Stay tuned. Damn. You are listening
2: to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after the short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers.
0: Welcome back, listeners. This is part two of We Do Recover. We have your featured guest for episode 006, Ian Rader, in studio with us. You got, a, you got a little cut off there. Did you want to finish yeah. that thought? And please, no, th- please do.
3: The, the question was consistency with relationships. And, and the consistency is the biggest part because before my level of consistency was zero. You know, yeah. I couldn't show up to a job on time if I showed up at all, even if I had a job. <laughs> you know, I couldn't show up to important events, birthdays, you know, what, things like that. I had no consistency in my life whatsoever. So especially as a person in long-term recovery today, you know, everyone has their opinions on, you know, people in recovery, you know, yeah. you know, outside sources like oh they're just junkies and never going to, whatever the opinion is. So if I am the only person that someone will ever truly physically meet in recovery, you know, this is just my opinion, but I like to set a good example of what that is. So when I tell someone I'm going to show up at this time, I like to show up 10 minutes early. You know, if I say I'm going to do something, I make sure that I do it because I know that the opinion of people in recovery, isn't the
0: best. Yeah. You're trying to rewrite that
3: yeah you yeah. know and, and especially that's why i like talking about how i'm an entrepreneur today you know uh, I, I i am a business owner homeowner getting married i do day trading during the days and stuff like i love to talk about that not because i'm trying to boost my ego or to say how special i am but mainly because i, I want to change the perception of oh people in long-term recovery like they can do some cool stuff That's so cool. They're like normal people. (laughs) Right.
0: And I'm sure that the people in your life that you're rebuilding those relationships, relationships appreciate that kind of stuff because I'm sure you didn't show up for them like that in the past. No, yeah. So thank you for finishing that thought. Mm -hmm. Dr. Terry Sellers, what's going on?
1: Hey, can I toss out a thought real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, about uh, about that. So I get, get the question all the time. How do I rebuild trust? Mm. And, you know, people have been ruining trust for five years or 10 years or 15 years. And all of a sudden they think that they can rebuild it the minute they get clean and sober. Yeah. (laughs) And that just doesn't work. It's going to take a little bit of consistency and a little bit of all you have to do is be trustworthy. It'll come back, but you got to be trustworthy for a period of time. Mm -hmm. It's not like and I remember getting mad when I first got clean, like, Stop suspecting me of stuff I'm not using right now. And it's like, well, but that's what they're used to for 15 or 20 years or 10 years or whatever it is. And so it just takes a little bit of the consistency that Ian was talking about.
0: Yeah. And the accountability of realizing we train them to think like that. We train them oh, to yeah. be that way. I love that. That could we that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Should we get to the, the question? Who's this brought to us by?
1: Yeah. Our question, you know, our question today is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. I don't know if you've ever been there. Ian, have you ever been to the Hilton Garden Inn?
3: Funny enough, you say I was actually there last night. (laughs) Wow. And how was it? It was wonderful, actually. It was really great. Um, And Actually, one of the best omelets I have ever had this morning. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. Awesome.
1: Well, um, I've stayed there as well. It's beautiful. I love it. And I want everybody to know that it is always sunny and friendly to Hilton Garden Inn.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that. Okay, let's get to this question. This is a heavy one today. Are we ready? Here we go.
2: Hi, guys. This is Amanda from Logan. I am calling in to ask Dr. Sellers his opinion on long-term mat treatment. Um, Do you feel that it is just a pharmaceutical version of cross addiction or do you
1: think it's something that's really helpful for people? Thanks guys. Can't wait to hear it on the air. Bye. I mean, that's a great question, right? That's really a great question because both sides of that argument exist. Like a lot of people, particularly family members think, hey, you're just, all you're doing is switching my son from heroin to the."
0: Suboxone or methadone, specifically, subs- right? Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of data in the literature. There's a lot of data in the literature about um, uh, MAT, which is medication-assisted treatment. Okay, and that includes a number of medications: methadone, suboxone, or Subutex and um, Vivitrol, frankly. And sometimes we forget that Vivitrol is part of MAT. Everybody thinks MAT is some opiate replacement therapy, which is not exactly what it is. Vivitrol is very helpful for people, uh, maybe, frankly, one of the best tools we have. But the literature says that, and this is pretty clear, less people die on Suboxone and Methadone then so the proponents of medication assisted treatment uh always quote those studies well th- listen that's important studies you can't get to recovery when you're dead Like, right? yeah. like you got to keep people alive for them to be able to find recovery right and if you are taking suboxone as prescribed by a doctor and not abusing it then uh how is your life not way better than it used to be it always is And so, yeah, I I struggle sometimes with Matt because I didn't use Matt, right? Like I I came out of treatment. I didn't um, take any medications. I was able to stay clean. And so so you get a little biased about the people that use medication-assisted treatment, but it saves lives. It keeps people alive. And, um, you know, we were talking about this a little before we started the podcast, and Ian mentioned that... that in his opinion, it really depends on the patient, and I agree, it depends on the individual patient, and it depends on the behaviors you see when somebody starts taking that. If people are still sneaking around, if they're hiding their stuff, if they're taking more than the doctor prescribed, if they're getting early refills, all of those addictive behaviors, then basically you've substituted suboxone or methadone for uh, heroin. But if what you see out of people, and you do see this a lot, is better behaviors, that's an excellent, excellent mat candidate.
0: Yeah, they're able to keep so, a job, right? They're able to yeah. go through daily life. When we talk a lot about opiates, because the opiate op- epidemic is yeah. so huge, there's also things for. I mean, we we discussed it. We've been discussing it. If you are on benzos or alcohol, you have to. Yeah, doctor sellers. I mean, they have to. It has to be a medical. Ding. go ahead.
1: No question. Well, I mean, the, the um, unfortunately, there's not any great medication-assisted treatment for benzos or for alcohol or for meth or for, I mean, and I hear that all the time from patients, too. How come I can't take a medication when they're a meth addict? Um, there isn't really a, a lot of great things for that. There. Vivitrol helps with alcohol and with opiates. And then Suboxone helps with opiates and methadone mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah
1: right so there's not great medication assisted treatment for the other addictions and that's kind of unfortunate yeah
0: yeah amanda thank you for calling in that question for for dr sellers if you're listening to this and you want to get on air you have a question like amanda you want to get something at answered uh give us a call we have a hotline set up that number is 801-410-0676 again Give us a call, 801 410 0676. Or you can, if you don't want your voice to be on air, you can send us an email at We Do Recover with Jared Miller. It's We Do Recover with Jared Miller at gmail.com. So thank you. Let's get to hey, it.
1: Let's do get to it. Can I uh, lead out? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Ian, you, we
1: know. What are you doing? Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now. Tell us for oh. a little bit of your story of how you got addicted and kind of what that looked like.
3: Yeah, in, in a brief synopsis, you know, I come from a really good family. Great family dynamic. Um, but as far back as I can remember, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. You know, even mm-hmm. I, I can remember back even in like second grade, I just didn't feel, I felt like everyone got the, like outline to life, except me. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know I can. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's funny. Majority of people who relate to that become substance abusers, weird, weird. <laughs> and I remember, I, you know, I, I experimented with, with, drugs at a young age and I had reached the mountaintop. You know, I had felt that deep sigh of relief that I, only, I just wanted to feel normally that everyone else could take with impunity but i could only find that that deep breath by taking a substance that's the that's the lie that your head told you yeah 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 because it's just like i always felt tense like i could never i would always just feel like i'd be taking short breaths my whole life but then finally took a substance and you know yep And, and and that's what i was just like okay i had found the keys to the castle of normality you know and then from there it just spiraled on you know and and then finally like you know mixed with a bunch of other things like i was always afraid so i hung out with really scary people you know Mm. to kind of like mask that fear i was really angry a lot so i pushed people away and my perception of reality was driven by fear and anger which caused me to make decisions based off fear or anger makes sense it has and if if anyone's ever made a decision based off fear or anger they usually don't work out too well <laughs> those snap decisions um and but that was my entire life was based around snap decisions ba- based off raw unfounded emotion you know based off my perception so i get i finally just i break down i'm I, you know i was homeless on and off and around los angeles santa Ana. You know, all these crazy places. And finally, like I, you know, my last detox was cold turkey at my dad's house off crack meth and heroin.
0: And just real quick, you went over that real fast. And, yeah. And I get it. Right. Cause I've been homeless. We don't like typically like to talk yeah. about it, but I mean, you were homeless in an area that was like, go, it was, it's notorious.
3: Yeah. I'll let you say it. Uh, so it was seventh and Los Angeles street, also known as skid row right, right. around that area. In the LA area. Yeah. Okay. And it was funny because people are like, how did that happen? And it's like, you know, I, I cause I, I, I was born in Santa Barbara, California. If anyone knows, it's a very lovely, amazing area. And honestly, like towards the end, I just wanted to be closer to the drugs. Uh,
0: I can relate as right? I shared to you last night. I,
3: yeah. Like the, the on and off homelessness that I had could have easily been defeated like i had places to go yeah, It's not like we didn't have friends or family that would let us couch surf yeah or, or some i could have found something but it was just like i had lost all self-respect without even knowing it I just didn't care anymore
0: yeah i hate to bring this back to me but i can literally remember yeah. like going down on the front runner and thinking to myself with a bag of clothes knowing that i was gonna be staying at the homeless shelter This is better because then I don't have to travel back and forth. How broken is that? (laughs) How broken is that thought to think to yourself, well, at least I'm closer. I don't have to wake up and figure out travel plans and blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's what basically you're saying. It was a convenience thing.
3: And that is the insanity and reality uh, of substance abuse and addiction and mental illnesses. The great ideas I have, I actually think are great. Yeah. You and, believe the lies that your brain tells you. And, you know, we were talking last night at, at dinner about, you know, the choice. Yeah. Right. And, and and it's really easy for people to say, like, well, why can't they just choose this? Or if they loved this person, they mm. wouldn't choose drugs. You know, if they did this and blah, 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 It's like it's really easy for people who haven't been touched by this thing um, to talk about the choice. And you know what? I don't blame them for saying that because I thank God that they don't know about disease of addiction because if they did then that means they've suffered from it or they know someone who suffered from it and it's a horrible thing to suffer with and i don't wish that on anybody great point yeah but at the same time when we talk about the choice you know it's my decision making is being altered by a, a disease And and, if people argue it's a disease like, well, the DCM-5 and all these other, you know, medical experts who are more medically cleared than I am, it is a disease in the medical community. Dr. Sellers, can we get an amen?
1: Amen. The
3: AMA (laughs) calls it a disease. I mean, so there we go. So my thought process and my decision making is being affected by a disease. So again, we talk about making decisions based off fear or anger, you know, fear and anger aren't necessarily a disease in itself, but we can, every person can relate to making decisions based off clouded judgment. So now you have an idea of what it's like to make a decision based off a disease. Yeah,
1: Hey, um, I want to point this out because one of the things we're trying to do with the podcast is really highlight what people are doing in recovery, like the great things that they've got and we don't want to do tons of war stories and that sort of stuff and uh, thanks for telling us your story it was great Um, but I think it's really interesting to point out that you go from I have discovered the keys to the castle of normality to I'm homeless (laughs) in a very brief period of time like it goes very quickly from hey this is awesome to this is horrible Yeah. and I think people need to realize that we're not glorifying drug use yeah. at all. The truth is it always ends with.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And, and
1: nobody ever keeps using substances for 20 years and has nothing go wrong.
0: Yeah. And I just want so to bring you up, highlighted
1: that brilliantly. Thank you. Thank you. And,
0: I, and yeah, thank you, Dr. Sellers. And I just want to bring up, we do part two on kind of a little bit more of the heavier stuff, because I think it is important for people that are listening to understand that we have people on here that have been through Heck. Yeah. yeah. They've been through it and they've been they able to come out. You can say hell
1: on the radio these days. I think oh, it's okay. Well, there you yeah. go. So I think we've come a little ways.
0: Yeah. Like, like Dr. Sellers is saying, we don't want to spend a ton of time dwelling on it, but I do want to paint that picture that the Ian Raider we have sitting in front of us in recovery today looks much different than the homeless Ian Raider oh. downtown LA. So, <laughs> so thank you for, for giving our listeners hope and yeah. giving them an example of the depths of the, of where your addiction took you. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Dr. Sellers you want to lead him into the next talking about his recovery and
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, so you're you're on Skid Row in Beverly Hills. Oh wait, it wasn't Beverly Hills. <laughs> Beverly now, Hills but...
3: that works. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're on you're on Skid Row. Where did it start to change to where this I got to do something different? How did tell us how that happened?
3: <sighs> you know, I was um I'd been kicked out of treatment again for like the sixth time and I, I went to a hotel and um, I don't want to get into details just because, you know, but uh, it got bad and I finally just gave up and, I, and um, I didn't know how to die and I certainly didn't know how to live, oh, wh- man. which is like the common theme. Where it was like, do you guys know, have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? Oh, absolutely. It's a great movie, right? Great movie. There's that scene where they storm the beach and there's live fire and bombs going off and everything like that. And there's a dude storming the beach and a bomb goes off and he loses his arm. And he's so shell-shocked by what's going on around him that he's not even phased. He literally just picks up his arm nonchalantly and just goes running down the beach like nothing ever happened. Carrying on. And that was me just shell shocked by life, had my arm in my hand. And I, I called my, my family after, you know, uh, you know, and they, they, they heard something in me that they've never heard before. Before they would always hear crying, manipulation, like, please say, give me money or I want food or uh, send me a trip. I'm willing to do whatever you want. And I remember pretty well that I was talking to my sister. And in the most like monotone voice, I was just like, I just need something different. And if you guys could somehow send me out of California, I don't even care if it's Alaska, <laughs> the middle of nowhere. I do not care at this point. Like I'm just, I'm willing to try something different. And, and you know, I pulled a geographical is what they call it. And everyone has their opinions on, you know, whatever, but it worked for me. So you came to step number one. Step number one, where I was just. Willing to admit that my life left in my hands was just completely unmanageable whether I was sober or drunk or high like no matter what i I did not know how to manage my own life at that time. Yeah. And I detox cold turkey on my dad's floor. Which was a nightmare. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I don't suggest anybody do it that way. But that's just my experience. And, and then my family was like Ian we're sending you to Utah and I'm like where is Utah <laughs> <laughs> but at that point I did not care I do whatever you want to do with me that before I remember the first time I they family tried to send me to rehab I ended up like running away from it a mock intervention and I was like hiding out and just no there's a bull blah, blah 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 and blah 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 and all the excuses from my book were destroyed And that's what it took for me. And that's what my experience is. What it takes is for someone to remove the excuses from that person's life and put them in a position to where they're either going to receive help or all the help that they've been receiving to help kill them is removed. Yeah.
1: Uh, Can I point out just another piece of the insanity, right? You are fighting tooth and nail to protect your homeless life. That is so awesome. (laughs) you, You're not going to listen to anything anybody else says because my life is so perfect right now. I'm living underneath a bridge. It's
3: awesome. Oh, you have no that, idea. That's oh, it's insanity. I, I can add to this really quick. So my first, I, my dad invited me to dinner one time, which was weird because we we hadn't spoken for a little bit and um, we're just we weren't on the best terms. And I was like, all right, fine. So I'm walking over to his house. Keyword walking. And um, and as I'm walking over there, I'm like, God please send me to treatment. Mm. I'm willing to just, I ho, I just wish someone would give me the chance. Step number three. Oh man, just please let me go to treatment. I, I'm willing, like I will do anything if someone would just give me the chance to go to treatment and I get to my dad's house and my mom's there and it's an intervention and they say, Ian, we've secured a place for you to go to treatment. Are you willing to go? Guess what I told them? No. No. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you, you had it all figured out. Yeah, it was, I wanted the help, but the second my pride and ego got in the way Mm. I I was never going to admit or or agree because I want, I know I needed help, but it's not on my terms. So I don't want help. That is the insanity of this thing. That is my life being driven by, you know, the internal perception of my emotions that are wrong because I'm basing this off information that is being perceived wrong that is the mental illness the addiction the disease side of this to where i cannot make rational decisions
0: yeah addiction turns you into a narcissist oh I, yeah. you can't tell me you point out at somebody in active addiction and maybe they aren't truly a narcissist but they're showing every single trait of it mm-hmm. would you agree with that dr sellers
1: Yeah. People get really selfish and really, um, and they, and they deny that they have a problem. Like it's everyone else's fault, not mine. I don't know if you'd call that quite narcissism. It's for sure. Very selfish.
3: Yeah. Well, it's the same thing when we talk about, you know, eating disorders or uh, things like that, where it's like, I seem like I have no control over my life. So I want to control every aspect that I think I can. You know whether it's my body weight whether it's the food i intake whether the substances that go in my body like i lack the control so i want this illusion of control as much as i can get it yep yeah yeah awesome
0: i just want to point out real quick ian is a stud he was able to get clean cold turkey on his dad's floor <laughs> we do not recommend that
3: no we do not recommend that. oh that no. not safe
0: practice no. that's a good point Back to our sponsor if you need help reach out to steps recovery center right like there are places great places you can get help at so we we do not recommend cold turkey On no
3: and i you know i i have a i've worked with steps before they're amazing and so if you guys do need help or anything like that they they have a bunch of different locations all over utah actually and yeah. and, and they're very You know they have amazing staff, and a lot of actually, I think majority of the staff are really good friends of mine. (laughs) And I don't mean to sound biased or anything, but I love. The program and everything they have set up so if you are know of a loved one who's suffering from any kind of substance use problem please contact them immediately
0: and we have listeners that listen to this out of state we got a lot of out-of-state support so mm-hmm. if you're listening to this contact ian's group because they can get you transport mm-hmm. to a step. go ahead give us the name of the name
3: yeah please contact us Sob- sobriety wellness services again my phone number is 805-319-5498 and we can help you get to a treatment facility, private detox, or a, a, in general, even just finding the best approach for recovery for you. Amen.
0: All right. Thank you guys. You've been listening to We Do Recover. This has been episode 006 featuring Ian Ra- Ian Rader. Bam. I My brain doesn't want to work today. So no we'll long. see you guys next week for episode 007. Dr. Sellers, thank you. Thanks so much for having yeah, me on, th- guys. Thanks,
1: thank Ian, for being here. Pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for
0: future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening.
2: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.